Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to the very first episode. I have three wonderful guests here today. I'm very excited. We are going to be talking about the 9-11 incident that happened in New York City due to the 20th anniversary coming up. So we thought it would be a nice idea to discuss 9-11 since so much time has gone by. And I thought it'd be a nice way to get some of these great minds together. So without further ado, let me introduce our guests. So our first guest. He has researched events in history such as 9-11 for decades, interviewing hundreds of people and publishing numerous books in the process. He writes about everything from 9-11 and JFK to presidential body counts and the New World Order, including his best-selling book, uh, Hidden History, an expose of modern crimes, conspiracies and cover-ups in American politics. Everyone, please welcome Donald Jeffries. Hey, Donald, how are you? Hey, Jordan. Glad to be here. Excellent. Our next guest is uh, a man of many trades, from actor, director, and uh, rock star to working in marketing, sales, public speaking. He is also part of the Trine Day podcast with the Trine Day publisher, Chris Milligan. His new critically acclaimed book, God, School, 9-11, and JFK, The Lives That Are Killing Us and the Truth That Sets Us Free, is now available. Please help me welcome Bruce DeTorres. Hey, Bruce, how are you, my friend? I'm very grateful for your generous introduction. Excellent. Yeah, I worked very hard on it. <laughs> and last but definitely not least, my other guest is a former attorney who is now both an author and filmmaker who focuses on topics like Aleister Crowley and the occult, the West Memphis Three, and the Smiley Face Killers in his works, including his newest book, Global Death Cult, The Order of Nine Angles, Adam Waffen, and The Slaughter of the Innocence, which is available now. He also hosts his own podcast called William Ramsey Investigates. Please help me welcome him, William Ramsey. Hey, William, how are you? Doing great, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, you also have The Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11, and The New World Order. So I thought I'd show that because we are talking about 9-11 today. I don't know where we want to get started. I mean, it's such a it's such a big topic. There's so many subtopics, whether you want to get into the conspiracy side or not. But there's been stuff in the news with Biden kind of giving the the go-ahead with reviewing to disclose more documents, which a lot of people want to get more answers on the side of things with relations to the Saudis, it seems. That's where the, the focus seems to be. Now, 
at first it sounds like great news. It seems like something that possibly once some time kind of goes by, it might just more and more look like another JFK scenario where we're just not getting the documents we want to see. We're seeing too many redactions. What do you guys think of the new news and what you think might actually shake out from it? We can go around, uh, start. we can start with Bruce and then Don and then William, if that's uh, okay with you guys. Sure. I have no faith that a president has done any good or told any truth for decades. I have no faith in what the mainstream corporate news uh, reports. It could all be true, but until I verify things for myself, I am bulletproof. I've just seen too many, too many lies. That's from the hip about that. Well, you know, from from my perspective, having researched the JFK assassination for so long, you see so many parallels in all these incidents, especially something as big as 9/11, which is basically. The baby boomers, JFK was the JFK assassination to the baby boomers was like 9/11 was to the millennials and Gen Xers. You know, this is this was a huge event in their lives. My kids were very small when it happened, so to them, the 9/11 was like JFK assassination was to me when I was very small. So, you know, you when you research these things as long as I have, you see the same patterns emerge. And in the case of I, you know, when we talk about uh, files that are class files are classified on everything. You know, the, the, some of the Jack the Ripper files from 1888 are still, you know, classified by, by Scotland Yard. Murders of prostitutes in the East End of London because they're protecting confidential sources from 1888. That's their excuse. So if the impulse on the part of officials everywhere, and certainly in our government, is always to suppress. I mean, why, why is, I've asked for many years, why would anything about the JFK assassination be classified for national security when you guys are telling, claiming that this minimum wage loser, Lee Harvey Oswald, killed him and there was no help, nobody was involved. So why is anything possibly classified? Lots still is. And certainly with 9-11, you have 19 crazed Arab hijackers who I, you, I, you say are all dead, but there's some evidence that some of them are still alive, supposedly, too. So I have to clarify that. But, of course, there's never been a real investigation, so who knows? But it's the same kind of thing. Why is anything classified about that? And this is their first impulse. But I, I don't think we need to have any data uh, released on any of this stuff. I mean, do, do you really need a file released on JFK to know that that Oswald didn't do it? That you know, that's, do you really need a, something released on 9/11 to know that no, 19 crazed hijackers with armed with box cutters and plastic knives weren't able to do this? It's just it's common sense. Just investigating this the subject matter uh, is all it takes. As Penn Jones said about the Warren report, the only way to believe it was to not read it. And that's the only, the only way to, to believe any of this stuff is act, to not actually read it, to not actually sift through the evidence. The 9-11 Commission report is very similar to the Warren report. It's a complete joke. And uh, just a little bit of evidence, you, you don't, I, I don't theorize at all, so I don't say I know what happened. I mean, I can certainly logically speculate that the same people that are covering up and framing the narrative dishonestly were the ones responsible for the crime. It just kind of makes sense. But I don't say that. But I just do my my goal is always to say, look, they're lying to you. So what they're telling you happened didn't happen. So 9-11 didn't happen that way. Now, what exactly happened? I don't know. But as, as Mark Lane said when he wrote Rush to Judgment, where there's a vacuum, you're going to have lots of uh, fodder for speculation. So you're going to have no, no planes, theories and holograms and crisis actors and all that because there was no investigation. So, you know, people are going to speculate and people like us are speculating. We don't have the resources 
to a to do with like a, a national television network do, has, but they they don't do any investigating in the national news, so they're not going to do that. But that basically, you know, I th I think we stand now where we were, but I I'm sure there won't be anything outside of platforms like this, and I'll be doing other interviews talking about 9/11, but. That's what you're going to get. So anybody out there looking for the truth is going to have to turn into to platforms like this because you can search through 500 channels or whatever you have in your cable. You're not going to get one inkling that there's any, even though the last poll I saw in 2016 said that 54.3% of Americans doubt in some way the official story of 9-11 now, which is very encouraging, but that's not reflected in any television coverage at all. Even the JFK assassination once in a while, you had Mark Lane and people like that that were on TV, and they gave him a little bit of a platform. Nothing like that for so-called 9-11 truthers. So um, it is where it is. It's 20 years of a monstrous lie. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the uh, the commission report. I read an article on the Council of Foreign Relations talking about resources that are debunking the 9-11 conspiracies, and <laughs> the top resource is is the 9-11 commission report so it's it's literally in my eyes it's the same as saying you know being handed the warren commission and saying here's the best resource on the the kennedy assassination or now, even the guys on the 9-11 commission <laughs> said the commission was frustrated in its aims they were given like four or five million dollars oh absolutely uh, yeah and some of these guys were old operators they're friends with cheney which just should invalidate the entire process so it's really a stack of straw. It's useless. The real investigation has taken place by individuals, of just like JFK, people who are not affiliated with the government. And it should bring into clear sight the fact that an oligarchy is capable of, keep, of doing these things and keeping the truth from the American people, really the, the world. So as far as documents are concerned, the parents want some documents from the 9-11 Joe Biden is not really there, but what he's done for 50 years is really just prop up the oligarchy. He's part of it. You can see my documentary on 9-11 where he talks about the new world order when he's not insulting people from the podium, when he was much more lucid. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of problems there. The real documents, probably the from the intel, that will intel side of the US government, the CIA and the Department of Defense, the documents that probably really detail the events of 9-11 will never be public. They probably got shredded in 2007, 2008, or you know, taken out by some technology. That will never be public. What really is probably one of the more important documents that's available to the public comes from the project of the New American Century that talks about the requirements for a new Pearl Harbor. And those people who are all involved in that are very suspect. So as far as documents, those are one of the things that you can see before 9-11. And I think David Ray Griffin wrote an excellent book called The New Pearl Harbor, based upon that statement within the PNAC documents. So those are probably at least some of the documents that would be worthwhile. But yeah, I think that the JFK and 9-11, really the, the similarities are very stark, very credible. So you probably won't see the truth, but it really should show you who really, how the government's really run, that it really is run by multi-generational oligarchy. Yeah, fair enough. And now that the anniversaries come, it's a perfect opportunity for Hollywood to step in and start pumping out more, if you want to call it propaganda, but you know, more movies, TV, stuff like that. There's the the new Michael Keaton Netflix series. I believe it's a series that's coming out. I believe it's 
it's about the survivors fund or something like that so it's not necessarily you know i don't know how much they can muddy it up but i mean hollywood's definitely famous for taking a story and you know delivering it in a, in a way that has an agenda to it and there's a new documentaries coming out like a big one that's getting a lot of pull is from from bush's point of view and you know how it was for bush and his people and you can just tell they're just trying to paint more and more of a narrative now that more time's gone by okay we can rewrite a bit more history we can throw a bit more in we could add more it it, it seems like but when it comes to releasing documents that are going to help like you said bill probably most of them don't even exist anymore yeah, don't hold your breath. Yeah, exactly. So, which is unfortunate, but I mean, that being said, if we if we don't have the documents, if we don't have a way to to get these answers, that I'm sure I'm sure one of us has the answer, but but you know, only one answer could be right. Maybe there's more people that were involved, but I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of conspiracies out there, uh, a lot of allegations, and not all of them can be right. So with without a way to tie it to anyone, I mean, what's the solution moving forward? How do we look at 9-11 and not let it slip by? Like, unfortunately, as sad as it is to say that we've let John Kennedy slip by. Bruce, what do you think? Well, that's, that's the question. Um... To, to read Don's books or Bill's books or my book or even just hear this show, it's important for anyone who hasn't convinced themselves to be challenged by this podcast to look into, the, into it for themselves, to pull the curtain back and keep looking until one is satisfied my government's telling me the truth or it's not speaking from the American point of view, which is all I got. And that is growing up. That is getting your feet on the ground. And that, and that is, you know, where, where, where adulthood, maturity, everything starts, even any power people might have, because there's also the responsibility to admit everything the American government does is in our name. It's supposed to be, it is, it's an expression of our will or uh, lethargy and non-caring and, and, and apathy, all the harm, everything. So once you recognize the, the lie that the official story is, you will see the evidence of cover-up and complicity by forces of the United States government putting the challenge right in the heart and the hands of the American people. That, that's where we, we have to challenge folks to step up and do something. And the easiest thing to do to give people hope is spread the word. Once you're convinced, spread the word. I wrote a book. Don and Bill have written books. You're creating a podcast. You're using 9-11 as the excuse to create a podcast. Spread the word. If that's what all anyone did, Good things will happen when enough of us know. It's inevitable. Nothing good's going to happen unless more of us know. Some kind of a tipping point. 5%, 4%, 9%. Those are the figures you hear that effectuate a revolution in a society, if not an actual revolution in governments. So that's, that's why it's important to get right 
about 9-11, the JFK assassination, and everything else. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I certainly agree with Bruce. But, you know, you mentioned the, the problem is for some of us, certainly myself, I've done so much research, and I, I tend to go really deep down these rabbit holes. But just, you know, trying to convince people the basic facts is hard enough. But sometimes I like to throw up in people's faces some of the more extreme things I find in these rabbit holes, because I, I think that kind of wakes people up even more. Because you talked about the the funds that were set up, the 9-11 funds, and there were, at last count I read, there were 300 and some of them. There were a lot of funds that were set up for 9-11. And the mainstream media even wrote an article talking about the massive fraud and waste, the, how people were, you know, setting these funds up and, and you know, in the great American tradition, lining their own pockets, you know, typical garden variety corruption. That you see, and that's one thing that I found, you know, in my research that strings a lot of these events together. Sandy Hook, Boston bombing, a lot of these mass shooting events, they all had these huge uh, funds. And 9-11 was the biggest of all, but they're all unscrutinized. And if you question them at all, if you if you say, like, exactly what is the money going to? Because, I mean, the 9-11, you had a tremendous, I, I don't know how many firefighters and, and victims' families were made pretty wealthy because they set up some, some very nice lucrative funds for people. And again, but you can't go there because they, oh, don't you care about, you know, don't you're, you're having respect. Well, I'm just questioning the narrative here. But Great when you question. look at, yeah. yeah just to interrupt, Don, but if you remember, one of the funds from the government was that the victims' families could not sue the government. So they could yes. get a million dollars. That's just not to tell you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's, and that's why for, you know, and we see this all the time, and it's they basically buy people's silence. Where they even someone like John Hinckley, which really went under the un radar, he was released uh, from prison a few years ago. But he was released. I thought, wow, guy, I got to try to talk. I didn't even know. I just found out about it. it. Really went under the radar, and I said, well, he he nearly needs to be interviewed. Nah, can't interview him. He was released on the provision that he never talks about the radio. The only thing anybody would ever want to talk to John Hinckley about, he cannot talk about it. Nor can any members of his family. If some talkative cousin says something, he goes right back. So I bet that'll be the same thing for Sir Hanson. I was just going to say that. I exactly. guarantee if he gets out, again, the only, who else, what would you possibly talk to Sir Han about other than that? No, can't do it. And so this is the problem. But when we go down these rabbit holes, you see things that that can't be explained. You know, for, and again, I'm writing Hidden History 3. So actually today I was working a lot on 9-11. I'm going, I, I had a lot about 9-11 and Hidden History. But I'm finding out more things. And again, these are, just to understand the extent of what you're seeing. For instance, one of the things that it was has always intrigued me, and I, I go to places where other researchers don't go because I don't limit myself. I don't, I don't care. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a, a barrier up between what I'm thinking. But I was always disturbed by the number of jumpers that day. I mean, they they claim you know hundreds uh. of people jumped to their death or fell to their death. Well, I found that very perplexing because it's not in human nature to be that. Suicide. I mean, it's suicide, especially early on. Well, I found out looking at the official report from the I forget the Bureau of some kind of statistical, but it was an official, you know, government agency that looked at analyzed the film and tried to determine how many people jumped and all that. Well, they just kind of matter of factly reported that the first person that jumped or fell was in the North Tower, and it happened barely four minutes after impact. I want you to think of that. That that someone lost the will to live four minutes after a plane hit that building. That's the kind of things I question. And that's why you get people saying hoax and all that kind of stuff, because these things don't add up. 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I was analyzing the, the Naudet brothers film, the French filmmakers who just happened to be there filming a, a firefighter crew. And again, right. if, you look, if you look at of their all film, things, yeah. of all things, how about I'm that? I'm not familiar with that, Don. Can you fill me in on that one? Yeah, there was uh, Jacques and De Leon Naudet, I think, young French filmmakers who were, and they were friends with this guy. God, I forget his name now, what I think his name was. James Hanlon, I think it's, I'm sorry, I don't have the name, but he was, again, one of those weird combinations of New York firefighter and actor-director. Wow. Had an acting career. You know, so much acting, so many of these people, again, especially if you look into Sandy Hook and things like that, so many people have acting backgrounds. And of course, that invites speculation, doesn't it? So in this case, this guy happened, he had, he had uh, this guy Hanlon had co uh, convinced the fire commissioner, I want to film a documentary on, they just picked out a particular uh, firefighter trainee. Now, why he would want to do that, I don't know. But he was there at that time with his friends, the Naudette brothers, the French filmmakers, who he had met at a party, supposedly. They're in the street, perfect positioning. And if you look at the film of the street, you will see that this is 8.45 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, a workday morning. Yeah. And they don't appear to have any cars moving anywhere. There's no traffic. They're just parked cars. It's, again, nobody comments on these things. But this, and this is, of course, before anything happened. So where, where was the traffic? Why and New York City doesn't have any traffic at 8:45 a.m. on Tuesday? I don't know. But uh, and they happened, just happen to have their camera out. They just yeah, happen to be filming perfect. right at a direct angle, the right oh, face of the right. It, and he panned up perfectly. So is that where some of this footage comes from? Yeah. Well, that that's the only. Well, we, there's another guy supposedly that filmed it from a distance, but he's never. He's only allowed to be shown once. But from what okay. we know, this is the only filmed uh, film of the first plane impacting the North Tower. And unlike Abraham Zapruder, back in the JFK assassination, his his hands notably shook, you know, from the impact of gunfire. So, the, you know, the, the Zapruder film kind of jiggles a little bit as, as the which is understandable. Right. Not Ooh. this guy. This guy looked up and he zoomed right in, you know, <laughs> you know solid. He, he caught it perfectly. So I and of course, the guy, the, the the person who was coordinating this with, he was a battalion chief at the time. I think his name was Pfeiffer. And he was uh, thereafter promoted to like assistant fire assistant fire chief of, of the of the New York Fire Department. So he got promoted. But everybody got very, promoted. Actually, yeah. everybody got promoted. The whole government. So yeah, that's <laughs> very odd too. No, it was, yeah, it was. But he he has a very curious reaction. If you look at it, he. I mean, if you're seeing this and they're panning up and you're hearing the sound, everybody else is turning around and looking at it. He turns his back on the on the plane. Pfeiffer does. And just looks in the camera with kind of a curious look on his face. So those are the kind of things that bother me, you know, that I look what at. Bother, what bothers me about that clip is the documentary is supposedly a film crew following one or more <laughs> day in the life at this yeah. particular fire department. So they're supposedly doing some work, I think, in a manhole. Yeah. And the camera's rolling. Yes. And they really are just standing around doing nothing. Like they're waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Then you hear the noise of the plane. The camera goes up. Yeah. Camera turns, and then you see the impact, and it like they've been set, like Don and Bill. It looks like a huge little setup. Well, and then when not not at afterwards, he he goes with Pfeiffer. They go into the uh, the lobby of the North Tower, and this is where you know it really gets. And again, people don't ask these questions. Now the impact was eighty some floors above, right? So what what should we be seeing in the lobby at that point? Nothing, right? Or what would you see in the lobby? Eighty some floors. Well. According to Naudet, he went in and he stopped filming. 
because he didn't want to show the carnage that was there. People on fire. People, how could anyone be on fire 80? I mean, I don't care how magical your jet fuel cocktail is. It got down mm. that fast and started burning people up. But again, people don't question that. And of course, this Naudette guy, both of these guys are like uh, Neil Armstrong was after the after the moon landing. He just disappeared. These guys disappeared. You can't find them. I mean, <laughs> they should be like heroes, there, right? But there is footage. I think it's Naudette brothers footage of the lobby blown out, which is your point. How yeah. come the lobby is blown yeah. out after impact it's, that high? Yeah, I don't know like if he's marble. not filming over some other stuff, but there's definitely, and I think it's his footage of what happened in the lobby. The elevators are blown out. The glass is all blown out. People are bleeding. And we have other people from the sub basement. So, I mean, I've, you know, I've, there's so many firefighters, especially initially reported explosions. I mean, it's, I mean, there's so, that's, that's what you would have gone by. If you had a real investigation, you would have looked at all these reports that, wow, so many people there were talking about explosions. What's going on? Were there? I mean, but they, nobody was interested in that. We have for obvious reasons. Yeah, Jordan, and then at the Pentagon as well. Pentagon, yes, well, Jordan. We could fill this hour with what's wrong with the official story like that. Oh yeah. I submit to you Absolutely. to capture Don and Bill's and maybe mine reflections on the 20th anniversary, how 9/11 changed America and what it did to what it's allowed us to become and where we're tending, the cliffs we're heading to, that would be an episode I would really watch. So, oh, so that's an interesting idea. I'd love, to, I'd love to hear that because, I mean, 9-11, it's pulled the conspiracy ripcord. And, I'm, well, I mean, it's pulled the ripcord on so many things. So, so many things had unfolded and are unfolding and still changing and morphing to this day. So, absolutely. If anyone wants to go first, I'd love to hear, you know, you can start with where you were or on the day or, when or you anything. found you out. And talking about why the official story is garbage, I don't mean to impose that. No, no, I, no, that's absolutely. My that's my vote. Okay, no. Uh, the A's have it. Absolutely. Would Would you like to go first, Bruce, since you had such an well, interesting idea? Well, sure. Like Don said, it was that generation's JFK, which is meant to hammer us with a trauma and allow the government to balloon in power to protect us. That's how I see it in a broad strokes impact. The uh, erasure of rights the traditional rights that we've had to accelerate into a police state with massive surveillance, electronic surveillance that never existed on the planet before, unless there were ancient civilizations we don't know about. And 20 years before that was the attempt on Ronald Reagan. 20 years before that was the Kennedy assassination. 20 years before that, World War II. 20 prior, World War One. 20 prior, Garfield assassinated. 20 prior, the Civil War and Lincoln assassinated 20 prior, the Mexican War. And when you pull back and look at this, to Bill's point about the elite of the elite, the, the most evil conniving for generations, having manipulating us from behind the scenes, they own the corporations and they own the politicians, you just see loosely every generation has to get hammered by a trauma like that to subdue them. Yeah, bonus if you get a lot of people to join your army and go kill and die for lies. So with Don's deep background in, in skullduggery going back centuries, 
and Bill, who I'm just discovering just from the titles and from what little I've heard so far, I'm going to make some popcorn and throw the ball to you guys to talk about what maybe what I just said or anything that comes to mind. Go ahead, Bill. You didn't. You you kind well, of got short just, last time. I think that the thanks. I think that the GFK and 9/11 are both the same. Trauma. You input. There's a massive change. The Vietnam War really starts up after they kill JFK. There's just a big lie about the whole story. It's a totally fictional story, and did the same thing in 9/11. So I mean, it's just a huge event in a very important time frame on a calendar and just the numerology they put in. I mean, it really all leads back. I mean, my book, if you read the book, nobody really reads my books, but it's really hey, about- Hey, I got three of them. The, it's really about, my book finishes with- I'm a nobody. My book Ooh. finishes a lot different than Trine Day's book, but we can have a conversation about that offline. It's really about George Bush Sr. and his new world order, big idea, famous speech, September 11th, 1990. 11 years to the date, 9-11 happens, so they're thinking it a very long-term agenda and floats right in with an aristocratic revolution, really an, you know, an oligarchical revolution. Who benefited? Qui bono, the classic kind of Latin you know, statement from Roman Empire days is really who's the benefit. And uh, you can just see total sociological change, really an even greater benefit to the elite was really 9-11. And we're still kind of living through it today. I mean, even things that are happening in Afghanistan is a direct result of 9-11. And just the massive mind control, mind rape, really, of the American people, giving away their freedoms and rights due to security or fears of Osama bin Laden, who probably doesn't really even exist in a real sense, jumping out from behind a bush and killing him. So you kind of see the same thing with the whole vaccination medical cartel, where they just scare the living crap out of you that you're going to die. That's part of the mind control. And then they all benefit. So Pfizer's all these other tech medical companies making billions of dollars. So, and you're really, you're allowing it to happen by watching the corporate media, which is really there, the lever puller for the people behind the scene, really the Wizard of Oz. I mean, that's really kind of 77 represents as this Oz. If you watch even, even the whiz of Michael Jackson takes, it ends up at the World Trade Center. So there's all kinds of occultism involved with the Rockefeller. You can go to Rockefeller Center, and really, that's kind of the point of my whole book and all the research that I've really done is really these guys who run the run the world are not Christians. They have their own religion. It's an elite religion, and it encompasses a lot of concepts and ideas, really going back through time, a lot of ancient Greek ideas and, and occultism of, of really the Western esoteric tradition, including masonry. And definitely somebody's read Crowley who orchestrated 9-11, understood Aleister Crowley. That's really the part of my book, why the title is so long. Yeah is because most people wouldn't put those things together. 9-11, Alistair Quill, the New World Order. New World Order. But I think that that was really the main purpose of 9-11, really was to have an overarching control and really benefited, I think it was one researcher said, the New World Order through really the Old World Order. And I agree with that uh, assessment. I think the guy who wrote the book about the Bilderbergers. So it really benefited all those old, old line families, I think, for sure. That was really the purpose. Yeah, I certainly, you know, I, I believe that I, I'm fond of calling the America before. I, I, I kind of pretty much delineate 9-11-2001 as, as the, uh, the the end of Amer what I call America 1.0. And ever since then, I think we've been living in America 2.0. 
And uh, it's a different world. And we we crossed, uh, when I write about history, America has crossed so many moral lines in the sand over the years. We certainly, you know, it, each of the world, it's, it's, 1898 was a huge line in the sand, World War One, World War Two. Waco was a huge line in the sand. Uh, Operation Northwoods would have been a, a huge line in the sand. Lots of these lines, but 9-11 was, was the biggest line up until that point. Because after that, uh, you know, instantly you had the Patriot Act, uh, which I don't, I don't know if anybody in Congress opposed it, virtually, virtually no one, was passed through, which just trampled on what was left of our civil liberties. You created free speech zones. Fusion centers, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, we we're definitely less freer instantly. I mean, we, we just suddenly became less free. I mean, overnight almost. They created this, and again, it was Republican-driven, you know, the party of uh, small government, the, the Homeland Security Department. And do you hear anybody, is anybody advocating to us to get rid of Homeland Security? I mean, you know, and what, what exactly do they do? What exactly does Homeland Security Department do other than, you know, constitute a tremendous threat to our liberties if we already didn't have enough with the CIA and the FBI and the NSA and everything else? The uh, the deep, you know, deep military industrial intelligence complex that we already had. This added a layer to that. And it made again any type of uh, redress of grievances, shall we say, even more difficult than it would have already been because you you created this and, and no one opposed this. You talk about JFK finally said we were opposed by a monolithic conspiracy today. Well, this is really a monolithic conspiracy. You should see this because uh, it, it's it's so entrenched. And at the same time, it's there, but it's also, it's not only not responsive, but it's also monumentally incompetent, as you see, you know, with Afghanistan, or, you know, this incredibly huge thing that has unlimited money and power. But, and of course, you know, the conclusion is inescapable is that they, they, maybe they don't do things because that's the plan. You know, they purposely don't do it right. But either way. Right. It's, it's just it's Vietnam. It's Vietnam over again. Yeah, exactly. Essentially not going to win, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know that that you know that that we're really you know you, you look at the size of these countries and you you really think this this particular established that these these resources can't overcome that. I mean, really, you know, if if we had to go to war with a country like Afghanistan or Vietnam or in, in anything, I mean, that should be over like in a day or even less. I mean, there's it's it's like Mike Carson, Mike Tyson, you know, at his peak, you know, picking a fight with a kindergartner. I mean, is there really any doubt about what the outcome would be? But in this case, it's it's kind of there's a lot of theatrics involved, and for whatever reason, it happens the way it happens. But 9/11 changed things forever. I remember, you know, I was my kids were very small, so you know, I was just remember the hysteria that day and turning on the TV, and because I, I wasn't, you know, I don't watch TV very much. My wife uh, called me. I was working from home again, and just said, you know, turn on the TV, and I and I I saw Rudy Giuliani walking out through and all this dust, and it just looks it looked like a movie. It looked so surrealistic, and I said, what the hell is this? And then uh, I saw the the South Tower collapse live, and it, I. You know, I had doubts instantly, but once I saw the South Tower collapse into its own imprint, just like you'd seen in many movies before, you know, many, many film productions before, I said, okay, well, this is, there's, there's no doubt what's going on here. It's, it's definitely not what they're portraying it as. But so, yeah, I didn't have a second of doubt over something like this. And I've written a lot about it, talked about a lot, a lot about it since then. And it, it's encouraging to know that apparently over half of Americans do doubt it. But as Richard Belzer, you know, the comedian said a long time ago about the JFK assassination, he said, you know, 90% of the American people believe there's a conspiracy, but the other 10% work for the media and the government. And that's where we are today is that everybody, there's that majority of the people is not reflected or represented anywhere 
in mainstream media. I mean, you Tucker Carlson, who does all, you know, he he tweaks the establishment a lot on certain issues, but he's not going to go to any conspiracy oh, issues. Wow. He, he he will never touch that. And yeah. he would he would he's be the just the right hand side of the pyramid. There's a left he, hand and he, a right. That's he all is, he but, is. That's but, all Fox is actually for that. Exactly, matter. but but he would be if you had to pick anybody, that would be your best hope, maybe. I mean, who else is going to, you know, Rachel Maddow, I mean, come on, none of these people, uh, Cuomo, they're never going to, and they, they don't allow people. Squawkers, yeah, they are, and and they won't, they won't allow, and if they did allow one of us or somebody like that on one of these TV shows, we would be, if you remember years ago, Jim Fetzer uh, was on O'Reilly briefly. I don't know how he got on there, but that's all. And uh, you know, it was it was it was ugly. It was ridiculous because I mean, O'Reilly just you know, it was like he, you know, foam was coming out of his mouth on screen, and he was just you know, chomping and screaming at him. And that's like, so that's what it would be if anybody. It would be so obviously over the top. But so you know, yeah, but something, we, something something you said, Don, just adds fuel to the fire I lit before about the necessity for regular people to do or say something, whether it's start a podcast or start making videos or just make it a habit to share your work, Bill's work, Jordan's new work, my work. Because if 90% are kind of aware of the truth of anything important, but the other 10% work for the government or the media, it's only by more and more of the regular folks, the 90% creating and doing something to try to tip tip the scales because I'm old enough for the need for solutions to be really urgent, really, really urgent. So, you know, I want to just, I guess, underscore that for anybody listening. If you like anything like this, just start sharing it on a regular basis or just start creating your own content. You can just reshare all of our work. Don and Bill and Jordan can sue me later for giving that blanket permission because that's how passionate we are about trying to tip the scales in the favor of truth, reality, sanity, health, and freedom. If you look at all times, the changes that happened in a lot of civilizations, French revolutions, American revolutions, the precursor was really sharing information, pamphleting, even in changes that happened in, in kind of unfortunate situations through communism or something, people are sharing that information. So they're putting the seeds in people's minds to make them think anew. So I think that it's very important to get that out there and seed people with the truth. And the, and I'm nobody from nowhere. My first book, this book just came out in May. This is probably my 25th interview. I have not not had an interview lined up since March by young people like you, Jordan, some of them are established folks. I was interviewed by Don very established months ago, but a lot of them are young folks like you who are this profile that Bill just described and I'm trying to describe. Ring the alarm, ring the bell, consider yourself a minute man. You've got a bucket to, 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 to pass. And what, what could be more important? What could be more frightening, challenging? And when the penny really dropped and I understood the, the horror of the phoniness of everything from the Federal Reserve to the income tax to all of the above we've been talking about, I said out loud, you mean there's really a dragon to slay? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you need to suit up. Also, specifically, what do you think about this appeal of all the people we could possibly, hey, strike up a conversation with? Hey, have you ever heard or do you know anyone who thinks 9-11 was an inside job? You know, out of the blue, 
Is it somebody in uniform is waking up our dearly beloved men and women in blue and green, the army, the police, talking to them so that when push comes to shove at some big protest, we've seen this in history, it flips when the soldiers put down their arms and they side with the people. Is that our greatest hope? Hopefully it's not our last hope. Could be. But we're all hoping for that, certainly. But I... I become very disillusioned, you know, about America over the obviously and anybody who's read my writing realizes that. But I am holding I, I think that, you know, and that's why we're talking about something as big as 9-11. And, and we I want to illuminate as many people as I can. Anybody listening out there, you know, really, it's 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 it won't take you very long. Just, you know, read, listen to something David Ray Griffin wrote or, you know, so, read something like that. You're going to find out very quickly. You can read a long section I have on it in Hidden History that the official story is absurd. So you know they're lying to you, obviously. I mean, you know, you had planes flying around that day for, uh, I think, almost an hour and a half. And they're going to tell you that if they took any action at all that day, it went unreported, unless they shot down the plane in Pennsylvania, which they probably did. That's the only thing. And they lied about it. But it, shortly before that, just to contrast, uh, it was only maybe a few months, a number of months before that, golfer Payne Stewart is a very famous golfer at that time. He was involved in a tragic plane incident where his plane and people on board had lost oxygen immediately. In the kit. So they all died instantly in air. A terrible thing. But the, the plane was cruising on autopilot. So they sent fighter jets up within like 15 minutes to make sure that it didn't you know, crash in a populated area. As soon as that plane was non-responsive to air traffic yes. control at these regular ping points, 20, within 15, 20 minutes, they had the jet escorters. And Don's point is? What happened that day? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> in fact, the last plane, again, almost an hour and a half later, you have Flight 77 heading for the heart of the Pentagon. Some people have heading for the White House. And we're talking about... At the very least, we should all feel incredibly ripped off that we spent untold trillions over the years to build this unprecedented military establishment. And, and where, by the way, even then in 2001, security cameras were everywhere. So we should have had uh, a view from probably 50 different angles of whatever hit that Pentagon. We've never seen anything until that belatedly released video that shows a fireball. You don't know what it is. And they confiscated the, the footage from the uh, the gas station across the street, the Doubletree Hotel across the street. And again, we've never seen it. So again, if you're, you can shut the so-called conspiracy theorists up. Show us what it was. Show us what, it, I mean, you have the footage. I mean, you, you, you can't possibly expect us to believe that none of those cameras were working that day yeah. at the Pentagon. But that's the kind of thing where you, if you try to approach people on that level, they usually can understand, okay, why, you know, what would they be hiding? They certainly don't mind. They, they showed you the, the planes crashing into the World Trade Center over and over and over again, you know, to ad nauseum. I mean, I must have seen that, I don't know how many times they were showing it constantly, and they still show them on TV. So it's, it's these kinds of things that people need to ask, those kinds of questions. But that at that level, something like 9-11 or the JFK assassination, or even just, you know, finally uh, you know overturning congress so we get some fresh blood in there or something it's just you know th it's unresponsive the system is so corrupt we can't do that but i do have some hope at the lower levels i i i'm focusing on what you're seeing the parents at school boards and things like that we may be able to affect change at that level and i think if we do that it'll cascade upwards if we can, if we're successful you know, if you get the tyrants out, rooted out at the bottom, maybe then it'll start going with the mayors, governors, and so forth. And if you get honest people, because, I mean, it's 
if you had an honest Congress that reflected the public, then half of them would doubt the official 9-11 story, right? They would have wanted to have a, an investigation like the House Select Committee, which, of course, ended up being a disappointment. But mm. And that's where I got my start. I was working with Mark Lane as a teenage volunteer for a Citizens Committee of Inquiry, and we were lobbying Congress to, to – what they eventually did was to form the House Select Committee on Assassination. Of course, we were all disappointed by it. It was another cover-up. But that's what you know. You would hope to have – if you had honest, honest Congress people, and that wouldn't happen, and if we reflected that – all it would do is just just a little bit of effort to look through and say, wow, I mean, you talk to people. I talked to Scott Forbes, who worked in the Twin Towers, and he had he'd moved back to England. And he was, you know, I was writing Hidden History, and he was still, you could still feel the fear in his voice, hear the fear. He was still scared. And he wasn't there that day because his whole group, they were off for what it's summary. I forget why they were off, but fortunately, he wasn't in the Twin Towers that day. But he, he talked about trying to contact the FBI, the New York Port Authority, eventually the 9-11 Commission, because they all had a story to tell. They all talked about what they'd seen prior. and They weren't the only ones, that they had seen all this unprecedented construction, these weird things going on, weird communications and uh, power outages in, the, in the, 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 the time leading right up to the 9-11. He thought that was relevant, you know, being a you know, patriotic citizen. He just assumed that his leaders would want to know that. Well, he found out otherwise, because not only did they have no interest in it, but the 9-11 Commission went ahead, much like the Warren Commission did. Now, this is, again, this guy was in the building. He worked there. He saw firsthand that these things were going on. They addressed it in the commission report. They never talked to him. They just, or anybody in this group, they just said there, there were rumors about power outages, things going on. The commission could find no evidence of that. And that's where we're at. So that's what you're, you know, you're, that's what you have to fight. That kind of, I mean, what, what is that? I don't even know how you describe that, but that's, you know, if those of us familiar that are to investigating our leaders at any level, you run into that over and over again, that you, you, you know, you just have, you can't fight the you know, conclusion that these people are evil. That's, there's no other explanation for it. Jordan, what got you? What got you intre- interested in the truth behind the scenes? And how long have you been planning to create this podcast? I've been, I think I've been probably planning on doing the podcast about half a year, give or take. What got me into like conspiracies and seeking the truth and whatnot? Probably JFK, like many others, was the first. Actually, maybe a mixture between JFK and 9-11 because I was in grade 5 when 9-11 happened. And so I do remember it. And I remember it was, you know, it was a big deal. And once I was old enough to kind of pay attention to details that aren't thrown at you by the daily and nightly news, I started to realize, okay, well, there's there's so much more to learn between behind a subject like this so once i jumped into jfk it was just okay 9-11 in oklahoma city and i I just how long long ago was that when you jumped into these topics that was probably at least at least 10 years ago thanks so i've i've definitely been into you know the truth and 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 seeking the truth and and having an open mind for a fairly long time i want to i just want to ask Bill, what what have you imagined is the most urgent? Like, what what what's at stake here? What do you see coming with the kind of stuff that you've the dots you've connected? What, how urgent it is to to know you know the forces that are creating these kind of events because this might get scary and we can take it and then we'll try to 
move, you know, flip over to something hope, hopeful. What what do you worry about? Well, I mean, I just think it's just the, you know, tyranny is really what the issue is, is the people who are in power don't answer to the people. The whole idea of democratic process is to be accountable through voting. And it's 2020 was just really something obvious. This kind of stuff has been going on. Probably Bush Gore back in 2000. Even Kennedy himself probably came to power because of his mob ties in West Virginia and Chicago. So if you do not have an accurate vote, you do not have a real legitimate government. If you don't have a legitimate government under the law, and then you're in a crisis. So I would say that really we're in a, uh, a weird space right now, 2021, after these things have happened. So, you know, I hope that, I think that just the sensibility of the American people is really what's the benefit is that people haven't done horrible things like in other countries they wouldn't stand for what we stand for maybe it's passivity and apathy stupidity but i do think that i mean the catastrophe of leaving afghanistan with 84 billion dollars worth of our money and, and and military supplies is a catastrophe it's just waiting to happen so we're not in a great place so i, I think that that's really kind of if you don't have i mean it goes to the fundamental element of how this country started which is one person, one vote, and then you figure out and the people's ideas change, so they vote different people in. If that's gone, then we're gone. Think? We're just a t we're just kind of a, we're an autocracy. What do you think of the idea that this catastrophe in Afghanistan was unleashed now to kind of change the story from COVID and the evaluation or the pushback against the vaccines, that kind of scenario? That's a good question. I, I I view it in the just the general sense of the incompetence and uh, mental decline of somebody who shouldn't be in the presidency. It never was really wanted, even during the the run for the Democratic nomination. He never won anything, and he's consistently failed. So there's real problems there, and really the elite are not really addressing those problems. They're really trying to cover it up of how the vote was done. So whether that timing of the Afghanistan was intentional, I don't. I don't really buy it that way. I just see it as just a catastrophic, immense, gargantuan incompetence by the people that run the government. Don, I want you to adjust that question too. How much of uh, the Afghanistan pullout do you think might just be change the story by throwing some more uh, flaming crap at the wall? Well, they certainly do like to deflect and then change the story, wag the dog. You know, they, they, they've been doing that for a long time. And certainly electoral corruption goes back to... Uh, Civil War, you know, I was, you know, I wrote uh, critically about Lincoln and crimes and cover-ups, and Lincoln was the first president. He actually, what they did is when they had the, they held the election. He gets great credit for holding the election of 1864 during wartime. But what they did is they just, they didn't furlough any of the uh, troops that they knew were Democratic voters, so they just kept. They didn't get to vote. You know, and I have all the quotes in the book where they, you had one of their generals that bragged. He actually wrote a letter to Secretary Warren Stanton said, I've done all that I can do to stop Democrats from voting in New York. So, you know, very, very questionable election. Then 1876, you had uh, William Tilden, uh, Samuel Tilden, who was who won the electoral and the popular vote. And he was screwed out of it completely. I mean, it's a very ugly subject. The Rutherford B. Hayes became president. And then you have Lancelot Lyndon Johnson, our favorite who uh, invented the dead, you know, the dead voted a lot in the 2020 election. Well, they started voting in, in Lyndon Johnson's 1948 uh, Senate race. And uh, he's the one who famously went out with his people in the cemetery. And they were, went gathering names off of tombstones 
and his, his people just said, well, you know, this is what about this? And he goes, well, they got as much right to vote as anybody else. That was his line. So, uh, you know, landslide Lyndon. So this is and certainly the 2000, 2004, both. And what we saw in the primaries with Ron Paul getting screwed constantly. And you, you go back to Pat Buchanan, he got screwed when he ran as well. So this is it's a tradition is you have electronic voting machines, you're going to have that. But <clears throat> so I don't know why people are surprised. I think they were just paying more attention to it this time. But anybody that thinks their vote counts, I mean, I, I don't even know that they count the votes at all at this point. That's why I said I think we have to start. And, you know, maybe and if we can't affect change at the school board level, then it's all over. I mean, but maybe we can, but this might be possible there. But something like this, I mean, they basically told you that they're they're basically criminalizing if the H.R. 350 passes or no, H.R. 1, H.R. 1. There's so much bad legislation up there. H.R. 1 is basically going to criminalize protesting an election result. And that's what they're basically going to say. You're going to be you're going to be considered, you know, oh, suspect wow. if you and then and that's what that's where we're at. And so all this it's hum, is kind it's, of it's, hum, it's humbling to think back of Germany in the 1930s, what the Nazis did. Right. Boom, boom, boom. These kind of just tighten the screws, tighten the screws. Right. But yeah. even 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 the Nazis, I mean, it's it's kind of an unfair comparison to them because the Nazis, what, however bad they were, were competent. So we, we had we have I mean they actually you know built up they built the autobahn and and, and recovered go. the economy so that's why the German people actually were receptive to it you know? I, you know every time every time we see what really really looks like incompetence I think of the elite of the elite who are funding and steering <laughs> and playing factions off each other as much as they can and I just think that whatever is upsetting about seeing the incompetence is their competent intention. It's to upset us with this, with, with what looks like incompetence. That's splitting yeah. hairs. You could save that for the weekend right. by the fire with the cognac and it, that doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters is the, is the, the noose tightening day by day with what's going on. And Jordan, just for dealing out some topics for your future episodes, how often do you plan on doing an episode? I starting right now, I would really like to do once a week, but if I can start getting enough guests and if gentlemen like yourself would like to continue coming back, I'd like to do twice a week. Well, start with once a week and commit no matter what. And if you don't yeah. have a guest, you've got to record something because now you're screwed. You're trapped. You're painted into a corner. You've, you've got right. a schedule. You've got a podcast. And it, this episode only builds value with the next episodes you keep putting out there. Yeah. Bill, what are you writing? What are you working on? And uh, how, what kind of a lever for complete tyranny do you feel COVID is? I think it's all been allowed. I think it's all used for that same agenda. So any anything that they can mind control off and the cartels can control, COVID is used for. So it's just another another ratcheting up. And I think that these vaccines are incredibly dangerous. I wouldn't recommend them. There's probably a much better therapies. Stay healthy, go exercise, get some sun, and uh, eat good food. Probably it's probably worthwhile but uh, I, I just published a book called global death cult about this group that uh, order of the nine angles the far right really kind of has come up through the american system so i, I wrote about that because i thought they were dangerous i think they have very dangerous ideas about killing people and uh, yeah i've just uh, done five documentaries i have a documentary on 9 11 in the new world order and you can you can watch that on vimeo and i did that last year so i've got four four other vimeos videos there as well or documentaries 
What's but, the main uh, What's the main website or place people should go to find stuff about you? Oh, I would just go to my podcast about all my interviews because I post okay. interviews like this where people invite me on or are kind enough to invite me. So okay. I post those there. So that's William Ramsey Investigates on iTunes. So okay. I'm starting to like, I used to be like Jordan, like once a week. And then I got kicked off of YouTube. And then I started interviewing more. And now I'm really almost interviewing two people a day on a wide variety of subjects. I don't, I really tried to. I think shouting at uh, the TV 20 years ago about these lousy investigative journalists. So I really tried to do some legitimate investigative journalism based upon books and get some intelligent people. Oh, he seems to have gone. Are we done? Oh, there it is. There's my. Yeah. So that's the cover of my book. Um, yeah. Like but I mean, if you guys want to go back to 9-11, there's all kinds of problems. There's I mean, you brought up Richard Belzer, Don, and he wrote that book Hit List, which is about all the people who died yes. on JFK. There's a yes. lot of people who, you know, sadly, Absolutely. suspiciously disappeared about some guy. I can't remember what his name was. He was an African-American guy who was talking about Building 7. Barry Jennings. Barry Jennings. Barry Jennings. Yes, right. yes. Yep. So he was, and that's just one of many. There's all kinds of suspicious. Life Ends. Yeah, very good book. So Building 7 is another of people who don't think that that 9-11, people who think that 9-11 was a legit. You can go watch Building 7, which has no part of the whole you know, the whole narrative, it just destroys the entire narrative is why that building went down. And uh, there's all kinds of problems. Me and Jordan, we were talking about all the other buildings. Oh, no, it was another guy I was talking to. He was talking about building six, building five, like a lot yes. of these buildings. There were other, there was suspicious yep. damage. Judy was Wood did some research where these cars are just torched. Like there's some kind of high energy or something's going on yep. that don't, don't not explicable by a bomb and obviously there's just tons of energy in the twin towers that doesn't explain anything you know like when you see hastings get blown up in los angeles and his engine block is lying on the street on the corner of melrose yeah. or close to the corner of melrose you know something else is involved because there's not gas doesn't isn't capable of doing that so i think that same kind of thing happened in 9 11 there's just inexplicable amounts of energy all around that date so was uh bill was was it building six yes. that the essentially the whole interior was yeah, hollowed was like out from the out. middle? Yes. Yeah, scooped out. Yeah, that's just that's that's the uh, Sonnenfeld, the guy that's still in. I forget his first name. He's uh, still in, he actually photographed all that. And then they, that is that his wife was murdered. Yeah, there's so many deaths associated with this, and they charged him with it. And so he fled. I think he's in Argentina. They gave him absolute political asylum there, but I'd love to talk to that guy. But yeah, he talked about how they had a huge crater in Building 6, and that's where a lot of the gold was stored. And they supposedly, you know... Black Rock, Black Rock or Black Eagle Gold, I think yeah. it's called. Yeah. Black yep. Eagle Trust. The Black Eagle Trust. Yeah, here's yeah. the picture right there. Of yeah, the that's not explicable. Yeah. And there's all kind. There's the monolith right there remembering 9-11. So you've got this kind of uh, Millennium Tower there. It's really interesting that uh, GFK used that term monolith in his kind of like, you know, secret uh, his secret society speech because UN's a monolith, Georgia Guidestones are a monolith, monolith. And Georgia Guidestones, yeah. Yeah, go watch the, just go look at the shape of the Georgia Guidestones. But yeah, I mean, and there was also recorded like the underground of 9-11, the buildings were a forge where there was literal like dripping metal for weeks. If you remember, it smoked forever after um the event mm -hmm. and they i think they said they kept pouring water on it it didn't do anything 
So there's all kinds of energy involved there that it wouldn't be there normally. Right. And then they make, I make the point about the absurdity of a collapse because the official story is the floors pushed down on themselves and pancaked. Well, then, folks, we would see a stack of 110 stories there. <laughs> Not only was the debris mostly ground level in one of the towers, maybe both of them, it went down into the basement. There was at least one or two survivors under one of them in the ba sub-basement who looked up through, through smoke and saw blue skies. So like Judy Wood's book, where did the towers go? Bill's point, tremendous amount of energy demolished those Paul things. Bryce. I tell people, watch those films with the sound off, and you can see sequential explosions coming down floor by floor. It creates Absolutely. the illusion of descent because they're being blown floor by floor. So once your wheels are turning, if 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 no if if only the folks who've seen 9/11 documentaries since 2001, if 50 percent of them created their own podcasts and started their own blogs and spread the word, we would have had a revolution 10 years ago. It's not that we. It's almost like we don't have to wake up or educate. A non-believer. It's talking to all the 90% of or the 54% of Americans who know or suspect 9-11 was an inside job. If we could get half of them to agitate, to do something, you know, we would we would probably we, we, we'd have a chance of grabbing the steering wheel back on some of the levers of power to mix the metaphors. Um, sorry to jump in and interrupt. You were you were well no, but I mean it's a great point. Like how would we we can talk and complain and, and analyze, but are we gonna facilitate some type of beneficial change. That's really it. I mean, I think the Tea Party was kind of part of having a new energy, but the the critique of them is that they didn't start from the grassroots. And I talked to a guy talking about grassroots politics. You got to start at the, just like Don said, you got to start at the very bottom and work your way up. Not you have to, to because, because all, the, all the subjects we're talking about, and certainly 9-11, there is nobody. I mentioned Tucker Carlson on TV. And nobody. Ron, I love Ron. Ron Paul wrote the foreword to my book, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776-1963. So I guess he's sympathetic to I was really shocked that he did because none of these guys, the best of them, are not conspiracy friendly at all. So you, you t if you hinted anything, and even some of the guys, I had you know Paul Schrade on my, who was 96 years old, one of the guys shot in the Ambassador Hotel. I just had him on my show last Wednesday. And even he, he re He's obviously talking, saying there was a conspiracy. He knows he was there, but he recoils at the word. They just recoil at that word conspiracy, and I don't know why it is. And I, you know, I wear it with honor. I don't care. I'm going to say I'm going to say it as many times as I want. You can call me whatever you want. I mean, at first, I'm not a theorist. I don't theorize at all. None of this is a theory. I'm, I'm like Gore Vidal said. I'm a conspiracy analyst. So I'm analyzing because you guys are conspirators. This is what you do. By any definition, you you know you subvert the will of the people. You were and you don't know any other way. It's not people tell me you think everything's a conspiracy. Well, yes, because we're run by conspirators. This is what they do. They don't know they don't know any other way to conduct business. I mean, they, we're, we're, it, it, they might conceive it. The a newbie might conceive it better instead of hearing, "Well, you believe in conspiracies." It's like, "Well, I believe in show business and with the trillions <laughs> of dollars." Yeah. That have there you go. Lost or quote unquote lost, trillions of dollars go into the casts, the budgets, the sets, and the events that we are presented <laughs> on yeah. the mainstream media. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes because it's not 
So it comes down to the basic question authority. Why? Well, here's a history book. Here's why you ought to question authority. Sorry to jump in on you, Don, but it's it's not conspiracy stuff. It's suppressed information by the, yeah, by the presenters. They're hiding right. the fact like we're going to do this next year. We're going to do this next year. We're going to blame that country. We're going to invade over there. I don't know how far in advance they 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 go. We well, I do have an impression because of the research. Yeah. No, and we, and we I, you know, I. I believe the things have gotten so bad that and I'm on Jeff Rents every every week. People can listen to me, and he has a huge audience on Monday nights. I'm on there, but I've said many times on there that, you know, at this point, the people that run things, the elite, they don't even. And you you can see since this what I call a pandemic has started for the last year and a half, the unconstitutional lockdown, all that. If you look at the people involved, the Lori Lightfoots, the Gretchen Whitmers, the Rachel Levines, Gavin Newsom's people like that, the people really didn't know were there before. This is what has happened while you guys were asleep at the switch for the last 50 years. These are the people that are, are in charge at all levels. And they're, they don't, I don't think many of them are smart enough to be conspirators. They are just monumentally incompetent, but the people at the top love to put people like that in charge. You call, call call any government agency on the phone and see how far if you can get past the initial person. You can't. Yeah. And they want they want people like that that's going to go excuse me and going to cut you off or hang up on you. That's they, right. And they and obviously those people aren't involved in the inner workings of any conspiracies, but they're put in place. And I think at this point they yep. don't really even have to conspire much. They could just sit and let let it all go out. You know, hey, let let them do what they do. You know, this is. This is what Lori Lightfoot's going to do. She's going to get a haircut, and you know she's tell you you can, and she's going to say I Pelosi, have Pelosi, all those guys, right? They're all yeah. Exactly. Gavin Newsom's at the French Laundry. They're all Pelosi right. just had a twenty-seven thousand dollar a plate meeting. Nobody's in a mask. Absolutely, and this just one. And they have they, they're so inter, there's so many interlocking connections here. Pelosi. You know, if you look into the record a little bit, you see John F. Kennedy, President Kennedy, was very concerned about her father, who was a congressman. Or Alexander uh, or whatever. Yes, yeah. Delisette, yes. And he and who uh, said they were going to investigate 9-11? Who was the person said we're moving forward? Yeah. That's right. Exactly. And so she, he had tons of mob ties. She had a brother that was charged in a gang rape of a 12-year-old, I think. And all he's the only one that the charges are dismissed against. All the others were prosecuted. Is it, is it Governor Newsom related to ours? Yes. Uh, yes, he's, yes, he's supposed to yeah. some kind of relationship. But I mean, or, or he's married her niece or something like that. Yeah. So these and people. His level, his level and the Lightfoot in Chicago and the Rachel Levine. I, I, maybe I'm old enough to just to just see mediocrity and to see yes. answers and to see script readers and auto, yes. you know, automatic automatons. They're just following. They're confused. Right. They're trying to keep it all together. They, they don't have to be deeply embedded into deep secrets. They're useful idiots, most likely blackmailable with ma massive leverage on them. Yeah, right. If they're ambitious, they're eager to implement the most heinous orders and instructions because they'd love to be on a national ticket one day. They'd love to be Kamala Harris one That's day. That's right. Right. That's right. No, but you're really what you see is the kind of formation of a political figure for people behind the scenes to puppeteer. So I think a lot of those people that you named on are right in that thing. Even Bill Clinton, too. Very strange past oh, we don't well, even know his real dad is i mean you, you look at bill clinton the black story doesn't make any sense so that's baloney oh. who's his real dad he's probably bill. hillary clinton was making all his decisions his whole bill. life bill clinton was the was hmm. the, at a very young age he's the one that drove hell boggs to the airport for his flight to oblivion which so is which like, like initiation <laughs> into a gang or the mafia that yeah. maybe you had to participate yes yes 
in so a murder is, because yeah. he's got to make his bones because that now yeah. he they yeah. can trust him and he knows that's how I make myself trustworthy. I'm yeah. gonna be the bag man on some heinous stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe there's so much criminality and death around them. Oh my gosh, it's awful. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What a body count. It's amazing. Yeah, we got to do an ep- We should, I mean, that would be a great episode to, to lay something like that out. It's, uh, you would have to be four or five hours long. It just started. Well, we'll do a few <laughs> different parts. We'll do a few Bill, parts. No, honestly, look back and look at Bill Clinton's history. It doesn't, his Blythe was in Italy at the time. It's not his dad. So his stepdad's name was Clinton, but his mom, yeah, the whole thing's weird. How did somebody from the back roads of Arkansas make it to Georgetown? Expensive school, right. how that paid for was never explained. Right. It just all oh, just okay. and the, and the theatrical aspects are everywhere. He, he you know they just happened to have a professional photographer there to, to picture him shaking the hand of President right. Kennedy when he was an Rockefeller yes. territory. One of the Rockefellers was owning a lot by by then, I believe, in Arkansas. One of the sons yeah, was a big he was big in Little Rock, yeah. Yeah, and they look for the damaged kids. They look for the young boys from these yes. destroyed sure. families, these fatherless. They are susceptible for the mind control. Like Gerald R. Ford came from the same kind of broken, messed up, dysfunctional, alcoholic, whatever. His real family name is King. He was raised by the Fords in Michigan. Yeah. So it fits the profile for mind control, which kind of like, that. that's the whole theme of life on planet Earth because we're all, we're all being inflicted with trauma-based Mind control, which I know you'd all agree with. Wasn't Ford the one who almost got shot by Squeaky Fromm making Nelson yes. Rockefeller the president? Squeaky yeah. Fromm, yes. Like she missed him, supposedly. Right. She prob- she missed him by a hair, like two inches or something. Or whoever yeah. shot at Ford. Yeah. Really, yeah. right? Kind of like Hinckley or something like that. Yeah. yeah so it's uh, the real history of the United States is much scarier and much yes. more bizarre. And 9/11 and JFK are part of it. So the conspiratorial and really if you look at all politics historically, all politics is conspiratorial. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it um, and, may and, not be and, an outright conspiracy, but yeah, I mean the label I, is silly because you kind of almost because the media is just a joke and it doesn't look into things beyond a superficial level. Anybody really trying to do some thinking on the alternate me- media can easily be labeled conspiracy. Even like Donnie, who has all these books and has all the sites and references and stuff. Well, I mean, there's, you know, and, and again, the theatrical references to 9-11, there was one of the witnesses. And again, if you look early on, you go down these rabbit holes and you examine who the, who the reporters were interviewing on the street and what, how they, you know, how they played into the narrative. They picked the right people. One of the young girls they, they, they interviewed was named Rachel Deliars. I can't remember. But anyhow, she ended up 20 years later, not 15 years later or whatever, as one of the high-profile mistresses of Tiger Woods during oh. his affair. So she, she, she gets her start as a, uh, as a woman on the street who they just happened to talk to and says the right stuff. Just like know, the Harley and, guy, right? Do you remember the Harley guy? Yes, The Harley yes, yes. t-shirt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then I, I mean, saw it, the plane hit, and then it all panked. And he just had all his lines. Oh yeah, he's, oh, wow. he's analyzing. He yeah, knows what's happening. He knew exactly what to say, and that's that actually yeah. is much more common in the corporate media. So many of their interviews, all yeah. of it is just scripted and garbage. Like I said, I'm surprised anybody even critically analyzes it because it's a waste of time. It's such obvious propaganda. But Bill, you said you said you said sorry, Bill. You said something really crucial. You know, all politics is is conspiratorial. I think you said if you look at history, and that's what I find, and that also was very very liberating because if if it's just reality going back thousands of years, 
that the, the rich and the powerful, the few, control the levers of government to exploit the hell out of their people. We don't have to be crybabies or think like, oh, there's, there's, you know, it's just, you know, it's so, it's so they're being mean. It's like, no, this is, that's just human nature, you know? And if you look at the bell curve as, as a model for humanity, you know, let's say over here, on this thin side are the psychopaths, the rich, the few, the elite, the elite, with, who've got billions and billions and trillions of dollars, and they're, they're, they're controlling the resources, and they're trying to control us like farm animals to exploit by fear. Okay. And then over here, you got you, the, the four of us, and other kind of truth lovers who are trying to say, hey, this is, this is ridiculous. This isn't true. They're telling us lies. You've got the nice, big, fat, complacent bubble in the middle of the bell curve of folks who are completely bewildered, shit scared, bombarded by confusing stories. So every story is he said, she said, no wonder we're so drunk. No wonder we're so self-medicated. No wonder we're so suicidal. No wonder college kids, in the words of a college professor last week, are in the fetal position. They have no future. Their jobs are dead. The economy's dead. There's a deadly pandemic. She said they're in the fetal position. Okay. And I think that, obviously, I'm trying to say the same thing 17,000 different ways to make the same point. It's the same as it ever was. And we are only as free as we as individuals determined to be. And 90% of our effort has to be into controlling our own minds and emotions. Don knows I can get on soapboxes and I can preach it a little bit because so much is at stake. We have to find whatever we're complaining about in the world that we want otherwise, we have to create it right here. And we can, if we're going to have it, peace, sanity, let alone love and compassion and kindness and all the good virtues. And to prioritize that and to hold those precious and that takes a mental strength that, that Americans lack because school trains us to just be obedient. School prevents us from flying if we were birds. So as adults, we just want to be put into another cage. Humans make decisions like birds fly. So when kids were free range, we, they would make a hundred decisions a day, a hundred decisions a year. So by the time they were 12, they could be, there were military officers, 12 years old, 15 years old, 17 years old, as recently as the American Civil War, meaning that we're all individuals and we could rise to competence to the degree that we can maybe make 10,000 decisions. If you have to do something for 10,000 hours of practice, the latest meme going around for the last 10 years, Malcolm Gladwell, tipping point, I think. I think we have to make 10,000 decisions before I can think for myself. I take what the authority says with a grain of thought and with a grain, with a grain, with a grain of doubt. I'm not even getting the words right, but you get the point. So Americans are paralyzed and just want to be told what to do because that's what we did during our formative years until we were adults. And you want to scare an American, tell them they have to think for themselves. Tell them they have to make a decision. Tell them they have to evaluate something and trust their own judgment. That is the muscle and the, I think, the issue to address in order to create it, to, to, to help one person at a time 
get comfortable in their own skin to be able to look at the other side of the 9-11 story, the other side of the COVID, COVID evidence, and dare to trust themselves to say, hey, I've, I think it's baloney and you should look at the countervailing evidence too. That's a level of courage that not enough Americans have right to that point. Well, just to say to your point, a quote from Crowley that I think encapsulates the, the current aristocracy of the United States' view towards its citizens. It's kind of a longer quote, but here's what Crowley wrote, writes. We should have no compunction in utilizing the natural qualities of the bulk of mankind. We do not insist on trying to train sheep to hunt foxes or lecture on history. We look after their physical well-being, enjoy their wool and mutton. In this way, we shall have a contented class of slaves who accept the conditions of existence as they really are and enjoy life with the quiet wisdom of the cattle. So I think that that's kind of like the, the, the purpose of the educational system, actually, which I've had really kind of a misfortune of going all the way through to a doctorate and really just kind of accepting the way that they were teaching me. And I wouldn't go through that again, coming out the other side. A lot of it's a wasted time, wrote, not a lot of analysis, not a lot of, I mean, I, I had some good ones, but there's lots, a lot. Lots of, lots of people admire Alistair Crowley, too. Lots of uh, high-profile people, including well, Timothy George Leary. Bush Sr., no doubt. Well, so, oh, I mean, well, I, well I, his, his mother may have been his daughter, right? I mean, isn't that the idea? Right. Bush, but um, you had... Uh, mother or his wife? George, George Bush oh, George Jr. Jr. may be the, the grandson yeah, Barbara, of... Mr. Barbara Bush Barbara. is the one they claim. That they, uh, who knows? I mean... <laughs> well, wait, you're both saying different things. Bill, what are you saying? I'm saying the same thing. Okay. Uh, Alistair Crowley's father, daughter may be Barbara Bush. I've Barbara Pierce, right. whose mother's Timothy, name was Pauline Robinson. Timothy right. Leary, the 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 guru, the LSD guru that was later acknowledged to be CIA, he once said on a talk show that his purpose in life was to continue Alistair Crowley's legacy. He wanted to continue his work. So if you look at you know what Crowley did, or Crowley, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but uh, he, he did some awful things, obviously. And his, his mother called him the beast, and he was proud of it. So, you know, that's, but well, why would anybody, why would anybody at the level, a renowned person worship, a, you know, a sick, evil here's, person? Here's the direct quote, Don. He says, quote, Timothy Leary, quote, well, I've been an admirer of Aleister Crowley. I think I'm carrying on much of the work that he started over a hundred years ago. He was in favor of finding yourself and do what thou wilt should be the whole of the law under love. It was a very powerful statement. I'm sorry he isn't around now to appreciate the glories he started. Under love. That's part of that quote, under love? Wow. Well, that gets clipped every time I've ever heard it before. Yeah, yeah well, that's the full quote that he said. He also and, was in Busada, which was Crowley was in Busada with one of his acolytes, Berg. And so Leary also kind of wrote, like, the similarities in my life of his are so stark and amazing or something. I don't remember the exact quote, but I wrote about it in Children of the Beast. I wrote a lot about Leary and mm -hmm. Crowley. He's, Leary used to have Crowley's I Ching sticks, so we throw that. He used Crowley's tarot deck. So Leary was not a dabbler. He knew a lot about that stuff. He was actually a member of the Illuminates of Thanateros, is my understanding. So, And he also almost got recruited into the Process Church. He actually went and visited some Process House while he was in New York. So Leary was uh, definitely in the know. Well, that, that's, a, that's the amazing thing about researching the truth behind current events, quote-unquote conspiracy land. You, get, you start analyzing the perpetrators and what they think, and it leads to spiritual ideas. It leads to this magical mysticism kind of ideas. And that blends with 
anyone's spiritual imagination, anyone, many people's spiritual imagination and intuitions, and the power of casting spells with just the words that we say to ourselves, our self-talk. And that's a huge part of the idea in my book. Jordan, I'm going to ask Don to talk about where people can find him and where I can, too, for two reasons. This has been a nice, long conversation. Sure. But there's also a lot of market research that says the ideal podcast length is 14 minutes, which used to be a subway ride or it used to be an extra workout on the, <laughs> oh, on the treadmill. Geez. So with, with long up. form, which, no, no, long form is awesome and we all do it. But it's wise to remember to say people's contact information at the top, because with every minute of a long form thing, viewership is going, going, Don, where's the best one or two places folks can find you and all your great work? Well, I, you can go to donaldjeffries.news. That's my blog now. And also I'm, I'm writing on Substack. So it's donaldjeffries.substack.com. And everybody should support Substack. A lot of great people like Glenn, Glenn Greenwald are there. And uh, it's un totally uncensored. There are all my books there. And I'm, I'm having a sixth one coming out uh, in November. It's going to be called On Borrowed Fame. And it's about showbiz. So, uh, But you know, it's not that much of a departure for me because as we've indicated here, a lot of the politics is uh, showbiz. Everyone's in showbiz. Amen. When did you launch DonaldJeffries.News? Oh, that was my friend Tony Arterburn. He just he just converted. He just he bought the URL and, and said this is yours. So and right, I don't know if other stuff's going to be in there right now. You can get my blog going there. So, but the DonaldJeffries.substack.com. Dot com. Yeah, that's that's yeah. it's a little different. I still write, I, but I, yeah. I'm starting now just to write one article and put them on both because it's too much trouble to do different ones. But uh, right, but no, no, Substack's good like like that. And Bill, repeat your your best main. You can get signed copies of my. Five books now at WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. I have five documentaries on Vimeo, William Ramsey. And I've been putting out a lot of content. That's my movie, too. I've been putting out a lot of interviews on my podcast broadcast titled William Ramsey Investigates. So I've almost had about two a day. So I've been very busy. But WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com probably feeds to your other places. Yeah, right? you will see a link to my podcast, which right now, according to Listen Notes, is in the top 1.5% of podcasts listened to in the world. Boom. Right on. Good for you, Bill. That's that's great. Yeah, thanks. Good. And I'm at BruceDetaurus.com for your listeners. Bruce Detaurus, D-E-T-O-R-R-E-S.com where you will read amazing reviews for my book. And there's a link where you could go to a, a buy page, you know, my truck, uh, my publisher's site. Jordan, back to you. Wonderful. All right, gentlemen. Well, I can't thank either of you enough. I appreciate your time. I appreciate making this much easier than I thought it would be. I had uh, had a wonderful time talking to you guys. I sincerely hope that we can we can connect and maybe the the four of us can connect again on something before okay. I wrap it up. Yeah. Is there anything yeah, well, can, you guys want to add? This on my podcast. Where can people find you? Yeah, so the new Divulgence podcast, I will have some social media platforms launching, but right now you can find me at Divulgence Pod, at Divulgence Pod on Twitter. I will be uh, getting Instagram and probably a Facebook account going, and I'll also include a little bit of information uh, at the end of the podcast. I'll tack on a video with information on uh, where to where I'll be posting the audio and video versions, so where I'll be subscribing will you email, to. Will you email us those links? 
Absolutely. I'll, yeah, I'll include all that information. Yeah, I've just been focusing on a few, learning a few other things just to make sure that we can keep the, the timeline on track. So again, thank you guys for your time. Thank you so much for making this happen so that we can get this out on time. We will be getting it out for 9-11. That's the, the plan to release it on 9-11. Awesome. Sounds thank good. you. I want to see something, Jordan, something from you every week from now on the rest of your life, okay? Sounds good, my friend. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And again, thank you so much. And I'll I'll be talking to you guys soon, okay? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye-bye.